Hey, Smoky Smoky. <laughs> and we're back. I can I get like voice lessons so my voice is more rich and loud and I don't know. I want my voice to be stronger. Well, that's been that's been a feedback that I just sometimes I wonder if like I just need to whisper. I know, I kinda and we do can that. Balance out. I kinda do that. And I don't mean to it's so funny. You never know what you do until you become a priest and then everyone tells you. Without a doubt. Yeah. And and all the uh, Christmas cards you received and everything, everyone's dropping little notes here and there. People are way too nice, actually. <laughs> they are. <laughs> You're like a seized candy shop around here. You have more chocolate and candy and gifts laying around than I've ever seen. So we always say it's true, and that's part of the reason. So <clears throat> Father John Nepple and I, we always had this phrase. I think I've told you where we would say we talk about the slow and inevitable slide into irrelevancy and obesity. <laughs> Being a priest. Yeah. And just That's like, awesome. Yeah, isn't that great? yeah. And so we, we would talk about like hashtag slow and inevitable slide. I have for sure gained weight just by being here as yeah. like walking through the office and there's just always goodies dropped off for you. It's oh, actually it's phenomenal. Constant. Yeah. It's constant. And uh, people people love to, to feed their priest. That's right. And it's normally like ridiculously so good. It's, it's good phenomenal. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's always good stuff. Do you remember Tommy Boy when he says, yeah. I can hear you getting fatter? That's right. <laughs> right. Such a great movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. Yeah. That guy in a little, little coat. coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're approaching New Year's. We are approaching New Year's. We are recording this New Year's Eve day. New Year's oh, Eve right. day. Today is New Year's Eve day. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It, it just kind of just popped up. So it, that means tomorrow. Do you know what feast day is tomorrow? Oh, I have no idea. It's a holy day of obligation. Tomorrow is? Mm-hmm. Not this year because of COVID. Oh. But just be, but because of Sunday mass right now is still the in Denver at least the restriction is lifted on Sunday obligation. So yeah, you can't really have other feast days be holy days if Sunday isn't. But normally tomorrow is a holy day of obligation in the United States. Oh, that's great. for for what? For, it's Mary, Mother of God, is how we translate it. But it's. Um, the Greek word, I know you were dying for that. The Greek yes. word is Theotokos. And what that, that means is the God bearer. It's the one who, it's Mary as the one who brings God into the world, who gave true birth to Jesus Christ and to God. And this isn't today's topic, so we don't have to go too deep. But 30 second synopsis is that any feast day about Mary, and this is so good for you Catholics out there and non Catholics. Everything that the church teaches about Mary is really about Jesus. And so in the early church, people were like, you can't call Mary the mother of God because God can't have a mother. God's eternal. Like he existed before Mary. And that's true in one sense. But what happened then was there was a debate about who is it that Mary gives birth to. And so Jesus is eternal and he unites himself or he unites to himself a human nature but Mary didn't give birth to a human nature. She gave birth to a person. And so really when the church, uh, I think this was Ephesus in 431, when this title was given to Mary, Ephesus was a council, a really important council. Um, uh, or maybe it was Chalcedon. I don't know. Somebody fact check me. It's, I'm off on this one. But <clears throat> Mary is given the title Theotokos. And what it's about is that you can't, when Jesus became incarnate, you can't separate his humanity from his divinity. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, they coexist in one person. 
And that's what this is about. So when we call Mary the mother of God, it's not even so much really about Mary. It's, it's actually about Jesus. It was the early church affirming that Jesus wasn't uh, a person who kind of, I don't know, had a, had a costume on in humanity, but he was a united person with one person with two natures. So, Oh, that's crazy. And that's every New Year's Day? Every New Year's Day. And so all the, all the Catholics, right, you can tell which ones are out partying the night before. <laughs> and so you gotta, and they're partying because it's the Feast of the Theotokos, right? That's, I mean, that's right. That's as, what they're celebrating. As they should be, not this goofy New Year's resolution story. New Year's resolution. What? New Year's Eve, the whole, the whole bada bang, bada boom. That's crazy. I actually didn't know that. Here's another crazy thing. Do you ever feel like, so New Year's Eve, people have like their glasses like, oh, 2021. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of, to me, I've always kind of felt like whoop-de-doo, you know, okay, totally. wow, 2021. Um, but did you know that here's an interesting fact is that in the ancient world, you count the years of a kingdom based on the beginning of a king's reign. And so, so like the Romans, they're going to count history starting with like the beginning of the empire. Whoa. And different dynasties, they, they don't they don't have like a beginning point except for when a king reigns. And so our calendar, even though it's off a little bit in terms of when Jesus was actually born, the AD in the year one starts with the reign of Christ on earth. Oh, anti-domini? Uh, Anno domini. Dang it. Yeah. Close. Yeah, very close. Come on, give me credit. Dude. I, that, that was not practiced or you're, rehearsed. You're terrible. That was like fourth grade. You're terrible. <laughs> so today, everybody, when we talk about New Year's resolutions going into the new year, um, and what do we think about that as Catholics? And I bet you have a new year's resolution out there. Uh, I haven't really come up with mine yet. Have you, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of against it. Mm. I am not a fan of this thing. I feel like, and we've kind of talked about this before, but I feel like people look at new year's as another party. I tried to get something off of a Facebook marketplace today. I need a bed frame. Okay. And the guy literally wrote me. I was like, oh, I don't think I'll have time to do it today, New Year's Eve day. And he was like, oh, if you're going to pick it up New Year's Day, it's got to be later in the afternoon. I'm going to be sleeping in from the party. And I was like, oh, gosh, man, that's really going to be tough to get to Littleton tomorrow afternoon. Um, but more important, like people love to use New Year's as the party. They all have their glasses, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I feel like I have failed so many times trying to set up phenomenal resolutions and like leading into it, the months leading up to it of like, okay, I'm going to just let myself go because January 1st, I'm going to be a whole new me. Right. And it works maybe for about five, 10 days. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I lose it. I've lost all motivation. And now not only that, I tend to beat myself up because I didn't like accomplish this crazy goal that I had set. Right. So I'm kind of, a, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I struggle with the whole concept of one day you revolutionize and, and like try to shoot for the stars. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I think, I think a lot of us feel that, right? <clears throat> we feel that, I mean, their new year's resolutions are infamous for this, that everybody goes to the gym for a month and they quit. And, um, I don't know what other you use. always well you always see that that's always like the joke like the worst time if you're someone who consistently goes to the gym 
the worst time ever is the month of January. Yeah. Because it is packed. And it's and I couldn't even imagine now when you got to try to get reservations, all that kind of stuff. But in a normal year, non-COVID, it is the worst thing ever to experience. Right. Um, it's I mean, it's nice because people are are trying to stay motivated and, and do something different. But when it's kind of your like natural thing that you're doing, it's pretty frustrating. When it's interesting because it is it is frustrating. The gym thing is, I think New Year's resolutions. I mean, I'm kind of a mixed bag on them. I kind of like them. And I think it's kind of like the natural way in the world that people see what Christianity is often talking about, where all of us have this sense that we should be something greater than we really are. Totally. And I think think the problem with it oftentimes is that people end up choosing really kind of, they choose vain goals. Mm -hmm. It's a goal, they're not bad. You know, being fit, uh, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Right. God made our bodies good. That's a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm trying to fight the slow but inevitable slide myself. Um, one, of, one of my, I was with some old staff members from Lords last night, and I don't know how, but I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I totally have a dad bod, total dad bod, and like, it's not getting any better. You know, as time <laughs> passes. It adds up quick. Um, I, I guess. The question I was at, and like, because I agree, I think they're they're certainly. I love the fact of trying to just look at yourself and say, okay, what areas can I improve in? Yeah. But I think the question that I have for you, and I especially coming off the podcast where I learned so much about Advent, and that kind of just blew my mind. But taking if you're spending the first two weeks of December, kind of reflecting and and really trying to go inward, right? Then now this huge thing that everyone celebrates is like new year's new year's resolutions if jesus was here's my question for you is if jesus was alive today like physically in this world right would he i know i know you're not denying the resurrection that's right right. would he be here sitting down on new year's eve day writing out a list of resolutions or would he have a different message for us yeah Cause I agree. I mean, I think there's a lot of value in that and especially, you know, is it more of a, should we have a focus of daily or during Advent or Lent or any of that kind of stuff? But this one time a year. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, so there's, there's so much of this, this kind of topic. And I think Jesus would like, it's a really important thing. Like Jesus wants us to, to change. I think it's important. And we're saying to people out there that, you know, Christians sometimes have this stigma, especially Catholics. I actually was watching, there was a video of some of the Daily Wire guys who were Catholics, and they were talking about, they had a, they had a trivia competition for who's the better Catholic. <laughs> it's like Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh, I want to say are their names. And they were like, well, the one guy was like, well, I'm the better Catholic because I feel guiltier about myself. So it doesn't matter who wins the, <laughs> you know. And there's that joke Touché. about yeah, there's that joke about Catholic guilt, and there's some truth to it. But I do want to say, Jesus does want us to change, but that's not the first message of Christianity, right? His mess, the message of God in your life is not. It's not God kind of you know holding his head, his forehead, and just like shaking his head, like oh, I can't believe you're still there, right? That's that's not Christianity. What, what I makes thought, us? Che- I thought we worked past this, right? <laughs> Brian, we talked about this. Yeah. Like, how many times do I have to tell you? 
You You're know, back in the confessional. We have gone over this. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to stop being such a dillweed? Yeah. As I always say at mass, you know, I think when God, when he, when he talks to me, he doesn't call me father. He's not like father Brian. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he does that. I never heard his voice audibly, but, uh, what the heck are we even talking about now? <laughs> the, fir- the the true message. Yeah, I mean, the so Jesus has, so when he comes, John the Baptist, when he appears at the beginning of the Gospels, what does he say to... Uh, oh, don't put me on the spot on this one. Don't put you on the spot. Yeah, I'm going to phone my a job. friend. Phone a friend. You don't, ha- you don't have anybody to call <laughs> I on don't, this one. I don't. You call Father Jason. Yeah. And he'd like stroke his goatee. <laughs> he would. For a while he would. Think about it deeply <laughs> before he answered. While riding his bike. That's right. Yeah. Um, no. So, so John the Baptist and Jesus, they both have a message that the first thing they say in the Gospels is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And and I think this is where, like, the on a natural level, and I do, I just want to affirm this. I think it's important for us to be grateful and to see the goodness in ourselves before we jump to like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I need to have a resolution. I need to get better at X, Y, or Z. I think the beginning place of Christianity is like God is broken into the, the reason we repent is because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is broken in because Jesus, so Origen, uh, one of the early church fathers, Origen always refers to Jesus as the kingdom himself. In Greek, the basileia atu, Jesus is the kingdom of God in person. And um, so the reason we repent, so Jesus says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, basically saying the kingdom of God is here. The reason we repent is because love has broken into our lives. And so I think that's really important is to think about this. But anyway, but metanoia is a word for repent. It's usually translated repent in the New Testament. Metanoia means to have a change of mind. Or you could say heart. In the ancient world, especially in the, the Jewish uh, kind of world, your heart and your mind are, are really inseparable. And so meta is a word for change in Greek. So if you think of, I would say, metamorphic rock, mm-hmm. right? Morphe is one of the words for form. And so metamorphic rock is a rock whose form changes. So meta is change. And then noia is the Greek word for your mind, your nous. And so... Metanoia means to be to think differently, to have a conversion of thought and of conversion of heart. Does that that make yep, sense? Yep. So I think Jesus would be for it, but the the real thing I think if you're out there is that so Pope Benedict says this. I've got this up on my my screen here. There's a great quote. Um, Benedict says it is clear that metanoia is not just any Christian attitude but the fundamental Christian act per se. So metanoia is not just like one thing Christians do. You know, we feed the poor, we go to mass, we forgive our enemies. Benedict says metanoia is the center of the Christian life in general. And so I think, you know, seeing the good out there, I think one of the things we've said about this podcast and about being Catholics in general, a great Catholic principle is when you look out in the world, you need to be able to see good. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of good out there. People are like, your body's good and they want to be in shape. Now, there can be problems with that. Why do you want to be in shape? What's the underlying? Yeah. Now, I do want to be in shape because you want to live a promiscuous life. Like that's, it's probably a pretty bad idea. I would recommend against yeah, that. It's definitely frowned upon. Yeah, we frowned upon yep. that one. 
um, there can there's a lot of distortions out there, but I do think at root, we all want to be better. And, and the reason, why do we want to be better? I, th- I think, well, what would you say? Like, why do people want to be better? Well, I think we naturally have that desire that we, we like everyone kind of subliminally has this desire to improve daily every, by every moment. Like you said, when the, we've been touched by love or however you said that. Right. But I, I do feel like there's this desire within us to, can, we know better. It's this, maybe going back to that Nietzsche Aristotle scenario. Yeah, I think it is related to that. Um, but there's something within us that we know we can do better and strive for more. Yeah. And I think, shout, uh, shout out to Curtis Martin here. He has a great line where he would always say, he says, the, the modern world teaches us, I think it's about happiness is what this is all about. And there's something deep inside each of us that we're always, we want to find happiness and what Curtis says is he says, our modern culture teaches us that pleasure brings happiness. God teaches us that goodness brings mm-hmm. happiness. And it's a subtle distinction, but, I, but I, I love that. Goodness is what brings happiness. I feel like that's my, if there is one message I can get away with in this podcast would be this concept of having like when you focus on things like metanoia or any of that kind of stuff where it's this change and you want to be striving for something better within yourself kind of on a daily basis and my i guess my frustration with new year's resolutions is it ultimately leads and i'll just speak for myself for a long time i would always focus on okay well over the next few months i'm going to just let loose and at some point on this arbitrary day january 1 2021 2021 i'm going to become a whole new person and you you ultimately kind of find yourself in this pattern of just not making any change kind of actually becoming worse you're like the diet's out the window you know you're not focusing on your health um all these habits that you could be focusing on in the moment go out the window because you're like okay well i'm gonna really ramp it up in the new year Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're trying to go from zero to 60 way too fast. And then it falls off as opposed to just these little changes every single day, reexamining and focusing in on those changes. So then it's not such a catastrophic swing the other way. Right. And especially when you start to try to focus on when you're walking out of Advent being like, there is, you know, death is real. Yep. And so now all of a sudden it's like, you can make an, an immediate impact today, call it subtle, or you're trying to live your New Year's resolutions, but waiting until July 1 and then beating yourself up for not accomplishing it or trying to build these like gigantic strides in your own personal life, um, I feel like it really set you back. Yeah. No, I think, <clears throat> I think you're hitting on something so real. And you know, I think change just for change's sake isn't good. And I think I think this drives to the heart of it is like, so, so when Benedict says that metanoia is at the center of the Christian life, what he means by that, then you could translate metanoia as repentance or conversion. And, but, but what really matters is what are you being converted to? And I think the problem with New Year's resolutions that people have is they choose really shallow resolutions. Right. And so like, they're not bad things. 
usually most of us are not tempted by bad things, right? Like I'm, I am not really tempted to kill anyone. That just sounds awful. <laughs> um, but I'm tempted to use good things in a, or lesser things in a kind of distorted way. And so, you know, like, like losing some weight or being healthier, like that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But, but I think what Christianity wants to get at is that what are the, what, why were you created? Why did God make you? And, and I love what you, when you bring up death, that helps us with this. So, so the church new year starts the first Sunday of Advent and, and it begins by thinking about Christ's return to judge the world. And that can be really helpful because right. All of us are convinced that we're never going to die. And yes, you are. And if you think about when you die, I love preaching funerals about this. Like when you look back at your life and you're, when you're on your deathbed, that has a certain way of clarifying what matters and what doesn't. And, and I think so many of the problems with New Year's resolutions is that people choose things that aren't really at the heart of what it means to be a human being. They're not the most important things. They, cho- they choose things that are vain. I just, I just pulled up uh, from Time Magazine, the top 10 commonly broken New Year's resolutions. Oh, wow. And this is where I kind of feel like when you say they're vain and or they're... <laughs> I guess my question, and you kind of touched on it right there, but after hearing these, how can you focus daily on building things that that are true and not vain? But the top 10, lose weight and get fit, quit smoking, learn something new, eat healthier and diet, get out of debt and save money, spend more time with family, travel to new places, be less stressed, volunteer and drink less. And just reading those, I'd love to get your opinion, but, and this is obviously an abbreviated list, but in general, those, those sound great, but like, what does that mean? You know, be less stressed. It's kind of like right. this, like crazy goal. Like, yeah, I just want to live a less stressed life. Okay, f- fine. That's cute. But what do you really mean when you, when you say that, like, what is your underlying purpose in that? And even like going back to what you said, like get hit and get fit, be healthy. What is that goal that will sustain 365 days a year? Yeah. Not knowing when our time is going to come where death is real. Right. But for how many years and how many days that if you don't have that true sense, which I feel like Christianity does a great job of putting it in things into perspective. But I don't know your thoughts on it. And how would you recommend building something that, we can truly, it's kind of like when you say like, okay, I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to have any more. I, the next year, I don't want to have a mortal sin. Right. So I can receive the Eucharist every single Sunday and right. like not sprint to a confessional to not sit in a pew or walk up with my hands crossed. But like, that's really deep work. Really deep. So if I just walk into New Year's or wake up and I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Is that realistic? Yeah, and I think that's a, yeah exactly. These are lifetime kind of things. What's the one? You, what's that quote you always say about motivation? It's like taking a shower. You have to do it every single day, right? And that's it's like that, right? We the question I think I want to get to is what do you what is what does it mean to be a human being? What is your life about? Mm-hmm. So so a recommendation I would have 
And again, Patrick always calls me out. I'm like, is this a real recommendation? Is this like <laughs> you and your like intellectual dudes? Like, um, I encyclicals, right? Letters from popes are generally like super boring. Love you popes. But like, I always joke with, with priest friends. I'm like bishops and the Pope. I feel like the only thing they know how to do is like, well, let's form a committee and we'll publish a letter. Right. Totally. You know, and I'm like, guys, come on, we got, we got to do better than this. Like without a doubt. Like, yep. And I'm, and I'm a huge reader as you all know, but one that I do recommend hugely is uh, Pope Benedict has a encyclical called space Salvi. And he takes a, the quote, a quote from Romans eight, the talks and space Salvi means saving hope. And, it's, it gets to this, and so hang with me for a second. So Pope Benedict says this. So I think there's two steps to this. The first thing is, do you really know where you want to go with your life? Right, like goals have to do with, with where you're going. And so it, it's worth reflecting on, like where do you really want to go in your life? Death helps us think about that. But what do you really, what is it that matters to you? What is it that's really important? And what are things that honestly might be nice, they might feel good, but at the end of the day, they're not what you were created for. And then the second question is kind of what you're getting to, Patrick, is how do we get there? How do we build habits and resolutions that are not just going to last for 20 days or a week, and then they kind of fail? But Pope Benedict says this in Space Alvi. So Space Alvi, he talks about heaven, and he has this awesome uh, kind of, contrast where he points out this attitude that all of us have and and he leads us to to a deeper thought so what he says is he says so i'll just ask you the way pope benedict asks in the encyclical so patrick do you want to die initial thought was no but i know i should say yes no that pope benedict says the same thing he says no none of us wants to die yeah and if we're honest about that none of us really wants to die we have a we have a natural human fear around that now, let me ask you a second question. Do you want to live forever? <sighs> um, <clears throat> do the people around me die? That's a good question. He doesn't go into that. Kind of reminds me of Fred Claus. Have you seen that with Vince Vaughn? No, you've and seen all li- the Vince Vaughn movies. I love Vince Vaughn. Yeah. He, it's the brother of St. Nick, <laughs> and he's like bitter. But he's lived this life where everyone just keeps like, you know, he he never gets older, and so if gotcha. that's if that's the scenario and like Steph's no longer here and I'm just kind of like living life, like no, I'd be miserable. Yeah. But if I could achieve all the things I want and kind of like continually progress, uh, now I'm just being a dead horse. Uh no, I don't. Yeah, and so yeah, you're getting exactly to the heart of it. By the way, that sounds like. Have you ever heard of the the picture of Dorian Gray? No. So it's a very famous novel. I always, I always get Oscar Wilde and um, T.S. Eliot confused. I think that one's Oscar Wilde, but it's a, it's a famous uh, story, a novel about that idea. And what happens is he has, he has concocted a way where he will never age. And it sounds like on the surface that would be amazing, like, like the cosmetic industry, all you beautiful women out there, right? Like. The, there's a huge billion dollar business out there about helping women to appear younger than yeah. they are. And that there's something in our human psyche that that appeals to. And so what happens is this painting grows old, but he doesn't. And it's a portrait of himself. 
Oh, whoa. And the, the idea I think that Oscar Wilde was getting at with that is that it sounds amazing, but it would actually be terrible. And if you really think deeply about it. And so, but what Pope Benedict says is this, is he says, if we think about our own attitudes, none of us really wants to die. But, and he's not talking about if, if other people around you die, but he says, we all hit that place in life where it becomes one day after another. Mm-hmm. And, and we just were kind of like, do I really want to live forever? Right. Like, it's just one more. And I know you've wondered. You're like, I know I'm going to be a wicked harp player in heaven, but when I get tired of it after day, like 18 billion, you know, however many years. And he uses that. He says, none of us really wants to live forever in that way, but none of us really wants to die. And he says, what this points to is what Jesus preaches in the gospels. Is Jesus, when he talks about eternal life, he doesn't mean one day after another that never ends, like Groundhog Day, which you still have, still haven't seen. That's right. What he, but what he says is what we desire is eternal life, not in the sense of quantity, but in the sense of quality. So those moments of your life where you have experienced pure joy, right? Like like your wedding day, yep, where you just wish time would freeze. Mm-hmm. So Pope Benedict talks about that, and he gets at. What all of us really desire is not just any sort of life where it becomes monotonous and one day after another, but just we don't die. He says what we desire is the good life, the life that Jesus promises that is a life filled with love and joy. Um, and so what I want to kind of wrap that thought up with is that this brings me back to what's your what's your resolution? Because if you're out there and you're listening to this, what I would challenge you to is that the way that most of us get tempted in Christianity is not by doing bad things, it's by doing lesser things. And the things that truly matter, we just never seem to get to. And so the, the, the Christian idea of conversion, of metanoia, is Jesus calling us, calling us out of like our busyness and like, I want to be more efficient and I want a slimmer waistline and I want to, you know, smoke less. None of those things are bad, but there, but you weren't made for that. What, what you were made for is you were made for your union with God, pure love, pure joy to live in the truth and to live for God himself. And that requires us to change. It requires us to turn away from vain things and to seek after the things that truly matter. Does that make sense? It does. I, my question for you, like the one thing you said right there was, and you always kind of hear this, but especially in a world where there's so much loss of identity, suicides, uh, depression, all that kind of stuff. And the question being, where do you want to go in your life? Like that is such a, especially for people in their teens, 20s, 30s, whenever that say, you know, like when I moved to Mexico, the concept was I'm going to go find myself. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and what does that mean of like, I'm going to go on this voyage and figure out who I really am. And I don't know what you're, I don't know what I was expecting to find. Still didn't find it. Right. I just landed in Mexico with more confusion and the concept of like in a Christian life, where do you want to go in your life? Like, how do you ultimately determine that and vet it in a way that's not like you can be 
it can be misleading of like, oh, this is it. But really it has a vain approach again. Yeah, there's a, <clears throat> I almost preach on this on Christmas. There's a um, Pope Benedict again. So if, if you haven't figured me out yet, I'm sure you have. <laughs> but if you haven't figured me out yet, basically I, I tell my congregation, a big part of my job in life is that priests are given the gift of a great education and time to read serious theologians. And so I, I feel like my whole job in life is I get to read Ratzinger and Balthazar and De Lubach and Augustine and Aquinas and the great doctors of the church and then tell you guys what they say. Right. Because Tran- you don't have you It's don't a have big time. job though. That's, it, you are basically translating, helping put it into layman terms. Yeah. Because sometimes you put that stuff on my desk and I'm like, dude, I don't even, I don't even know if this, like, where do I start? Like, is yeah. This- so Benedict, though, so I almost preached on this on Christmas. Benedict has a, um, he has a line where he says, and this is in his book, uh, Principles of Catholic Theology. And he says, if you study Stoicism in the ancient world, Stoicism is, has a lot of similarities to Christianity. It's one of the popular philosophies in the ancient world. And he says, the normal word the Stoics use for conversion is epistrophe in Greek. And it comes from, one of the words Plato uses for a circle. I just drew a circle in the air. You, you guys did. can't see that, but I'm like, are you, I'm one of those, I don't know if I, can I talk without my hands? Anyway, the, so epistrophe means it's, it, it means a conversion in the sense of coming to yourself. Like come away from the distractions and the noise of the world. By the way, I want to recommend that you want a real resolution you need silence in your life, and that's a really important thing. God speaks in silence, and if you are filled with noise and busyness and worldly things, you'll never, you will never find God. But anyway, so the Stoics say, let's turn off the noise of the world, and conversion, epistrophe, the normal word for conversion, is to return to yourself. And Benedict, he's so good. He uses that same principle of we need to find the good out there. And he says, let's be honest. That's pr- there's similarity and there's overlap with the Christian message there. But then he pushes it to the next level. And he says, but, but the Christian call is more radical. So the New Testament, when it uses the word for conversion, it doesn't use epistrophe. It uses metanoia. And the reason for this is that if we're honest with ourselves, I am not the source of truth. The modern world says, find your own truth, be yourself. And th- there's some good in that. But, I, but when I really look at myself, I am not the source of meaning and truth in my own life. I am not the author of my existence. I am not the author of meaning. Nietzsche would say I am. Yep. But Nietzsche's wrong. He's wrong. Like truth and meaning in my life is something I discover. And so the, the Christian word for conversion, metanoia, means that I have to turn away from myself and I have to turn towards God. Uh, And so finding meaning in your life, like the Christian would say that you need to realize that truth is bigger than you. You need to realize that, that goodness and meaning are bigger than you. Like you are good, God made you good, but you didn't make these things. They're bigger than you. You don't invent truth, you discover it. You didn't invent meaningfulness, you discover it. You step into it. Just like health, even on a very shallow level, you don't get to decide what health is, you discover what health is. 
and it was it was de- determined long before you ever did what human nature and health was and you have the freedom to step in and to discover and to live that but that's the christian idea is that we have to turn away from ourselves towards god and when we do that and this is this is the christian message is that jesus in his love and his splendor and his glory that I find my life when I leave myself behind and that I get to live for something greater than myself. And, and the irony is that is what brings joy. That's pretty deep. I, Oh, so many different ways to go with that. Um, so many things you said in there. I think, it is so interesting though, and you, and you brought this up earlier and I started to think about it right there was when we are competing in our lives of all these temptations and, and truly billion dollar industries, whether that's fitness, beauty, you know, self-motivation, Tony Robbins, any of that kind of stuff that people are selling a product and trying to just find that, like, would you say that the natural step, if I'm struggling to figure out that question, like, where do I want to go in life? Or like, and you say, go to silence, is it part of that journey of just like, okay, there isn't exactly a 10 step guide to finding yourself in a Christian life. It's more just start with a few minutes of silence. And then maybe that goes from five to 10 minutes to 10 minutes to 20 and starting to kind of pick up the, the Bible and and reading that or kind of what are those natural steps to take, um, you know, uh, and not find yourself inundated with the worldly things and what are being sold to you. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> and I think this is where we get back to your point of like, this can't be just a once a year I try to do this. Right. You, you, you can't like Rich Mullins has a similar quote to your quote about motivation where he talks about how holiness is a lot like, like eating healthy. You can't say, well, I ate healthy yesterday. Right. Like, okay, I'll just, so now I'm just going to live off McDonald's for the next week. You can't, you can't do that. If you want to live a healthy life, you have to love what is good and, and our hearts need to be converted. So silence is a huge step. Like I tell people, if you go to church, every person I've ever met, like with prayer, prayer is a great resolution. Prayer is very difficult. Yeah. And so what happens to all of us, right? People come to mass and they're like, or they go to pray their 10 minutes a day and they sit down they turn off all the noise and every single person says, I'm so distracted. All I could do is think about this or that, or this mm-hmm. song popped into my head or my grocery list, or why is this person mad at me or I have to do this at work today. And one of the things I tell people is like, if your entire life is constantly noisy and then except for 10 minutes, good luck. Right. You've right. got, you've got to build a greater context for these things, right? If you're like, yeah, like, you know, I, uh, I eat like crap I drink constantly. I smoke, but you know, I do, I do 15 minutes of exercise. Totally. Like it's a context. You've got to build a context for these things. So learning to be silent is great. When you first start, it's just going to be hard and that's okay. And what right. I would encourage you to do, if you're going to take this as a resolution, get a Bible and don't read from Genesis, read in the gospels. And it's okay to read St. Teresa of Avila, who is the greatest mystic in the history of the church most likely. St. Teresa of Avila talked about how it took her years and years to go to her prayer time without a book. 
and that's so it's okay. Like it's relieving, isn't that relieving? That's so it's relieving. Okay. I I always have a book with me. My holy hour. I always have my Bible. I usually have um, some kind of book at hand from a saint or someone who inspires me to to think more deeply and to pray more deeply. But that's a small step you can take. But you've like when you show up to mass, like like here's a small thing: when you're going to church, turn off the radio in your car. Because when you're driving to church, right, you're running late. If you're anything like me, I'm usually the last person to arrive at Lord's. You're running late. You're stressed out. You've got a million things going on. And then you're listening to Shakira. Oh, those hips don't lie. And those hips don't lie. <laughs> and then you walk into church and you wonder why you can't pray. And it's kind of like it's kind of like when a wheels are like being revved up or like mm-hmm. it, it takes a little while for the, the, them to spin to lose their velocity and just slow down. Yeah. And yeah. our minds are like that. You've got to, you've got to do that. So I think it also, it's imperative to be intentional with it. Like even when you say that, and I still have that natural reaction of like a cringe when I hear the holy hour concept, you and I've joked about that before, but right. when I went from no prayer life to all of a sudden be like, okay, well I'm going to commit to an hour and do a holy hour. And that's all I read about and hear about and how valuable. And you sit down and like what you're saying of like, I can't do this for an hour. Like what? So when you, when you mention things like Teresa of Avila needs the book, needs those things to, you know, kind of build to it. And it's not just this like crazy meditation. Um, like <laughs> I'm starting to think, have you ever seen uh Beverly Hills Ninja, Chris Farley? No. Where he's like meditating and he goes up in the clouds and it's like surreal experience happens. And that's kind of what you like expect to have. Um, but it, it doesn't, it is nice to know that, but you do have to commit to that every day and like setting yourself up to succeed is a big thing as well. If you're best at 7 a.m. and that's your the thing you will most likely do every single day, yeah. then committing and knowing yourself is huge when starting to create those habits. It's learning to desire the right things. Augustine right, says right. that too. Augustine in, <clears throat> in the city of God, which is a hugely important work for the Middle Ages, and really for all of history, St. Augustine talks about how he, it's, it's way buried like halfway through the work, maybe even further. But he talks about how he, he says there's two cities and he's talking about two civilizations. And he's saying those two cities are built on two loves. And the one love he says was built on the love or that one city is built on the love of self. And the other is built on the love of God. And what I love about Augustine, and so I think this is so helpful for New Year's resolution things. So one thing neuroscientists, and we'll bring this to Augustine, but Aristotle and neuroscientists will both tell you, you can't just get rid of a habit. You can't do it. You have to replace it Mm. with something. Yep. And Augustine, so much of Augustine's theology is that to be a Christian is about learning to love the right things. And at the risk of saying the word love too much, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think that is so beautiful. And to be a Christian, it's, it's caricatured so oftentimes as just don't do bad things. Right. And Augustine says, no, like this, the, the central virtue of all of Christianity is love. It's agape. It's caritas in Latin. It's charity. It is divine love. Divine love is what Christianity is about. And being a Christian means learning to love the right things. So when you're a kid and you hate, you would hate having 
a nice steak. Right? It's not that the steak's bad. It's that you haven't learned to love higher things yet. <laughs> it's like you and Gregorian chant. That's right. <laughs> well, I was just, I think my next phase is I'm now at a point where I'm starting to kind of appreciate art. Yeah. We, Steph and I just, we're moving to a new house and I'm like, oh, what's the art that's, you know, I really find, and you've actually done that to me. You have that just amazing Last Supper uh, painting above your fireplace. And yeah. I never in a million years have ever, like I had posters of like, you know, Shakira up on my wall, but never once did I care about art. And now I'm, I'm starting to kind of appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an expensive habit. No, I, yeah, it's, that's pretty, I love that. Love, love that. Love it. But Augustine's so good about that. And he's saying, right, that, so you have to replace, so for your new year's resolution, you can't just get rid of something. You have to build something good. Yep. What, what makes me, I always say, I never am a better priest just because someone told me to be one. What drives me is when I see something I love and my heart carries me there and I say, okay, I don't want to get better at X, Y, or Z, but there's something so beautiful and good there that my heart just pulls me there. And so, Gustin, one more thing. You've heard this, the garden analogy. Remember this? Go ahead. I go think ahead, so. Go ahead, caller number one. That's right. You're on the air. Can we get call-ins on this <laughs> I, I wish. We'll just give out your cell phone number. Perfect. Not mine. Yes. Um, but Augustine doesn't, I don't think he uses this analogy. Origin actually does. But I tell people all the time, being a Christian is like growing a garden. And ha- New Year's resolution, your, your resolution, brothers and sisters out there in Radioland or wherever you're at, being a Christian is not about a no, it's about a Yes. We only say no to things because we have a, a greater yes. You say no to dating single women because you, not because that's bad, but because you love your wife mm-hmm. and because you have a phenomenal wife in marriage. And so we, we only say no because there's a greater yes behind it. And that's, that's what Christianity is meant to be. And so imagine if we were growing a garden and imagine if all you ever did is pull weeds. And I think that this is what most Christians do. Is they say, oh, you know, I'm I'm just kind of a jealous person, and I want to get rid of my jealousy. That's good. Yep. Weeds are bad, you know. Like, and guys, you know, we're like, oh, I I really want to stop being so lustful. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's good. That's a weed. You want to pull that weed out. But imagine if all you ever did is pull weeds. That's that you miss the entire purpose of having a garden. And Augustine, I don't know that he ever uses the image of a garden. Like I said, Origin does. But this is what Augustine is getting at, is that what God is after is he's after growing something beautiful inside of us. And I never, I think part of the reason New Year's resolutions fail is because people are just trying to say no to things. Oh, that's interesting. I'm yeah. Gonna, right? I'm yeah. going to say no to the Cheetos. Right. I'm going to say no to the bourbon. I'm going to say no to whatever it is. And no one can live off of no's. They have to live off of a yes. A better yes. Uh, it reminds me of uh, going through therapy and it was cognitive behavioral therapy where, especially going through like the eating disorder of like, I'm going to just say no to all the binges or the food and this and that and like instantly revolutionize my life. And and that it's the exact same premise. Oh, it that's is, interesting. It is when you get that urge, what can you replace it with that 
is productive <laughs> that, yeah. you know, so when you get that urge, instead of running to the pantry or instead of kind of going back to what you normally do, it's like, okay, well, let's go on a walk instead. Like you're trying to replace that behavior with something else. Cause you can't just go cold Turkey the other way. And it's yeah. it again, pointing back to, I think it's always so fascinating how in the world we live in now, it, it stems a lot of it stemmed from Christian beliefs or, you know, just rewords the Bible and Jesus and, and makes it. Yeah. It's, I mean, Christianity is the, is the crown, but, but it, I mean, all this like Aristotle, I always laugh cause you'll hear these modern scientific studies say this and that. And that's great. I love that. But I, there's one I'm thinking of. There was a book by Charles Duhigg called, um, it's like the power of habit or something like that. And it was, it was, it was not my kind of book, but it was interesting enough. But I was laughing because I was like, he's just telling you what Aristotle said yeah. like way back when. Yeah. But listen to this quote. So this is, I found my quote for, um, from origin on this. And so origin says, what is it that God plants? Moses says that God planted paradise, which is Genesis two, eight, but God is planting now as well. And he is planting daily in the souls of the faithful for in the soul from which he removes anger, he plants gentleness. And in the soul from which he removes pride, he plants humility. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So or- yeah. origin loves allegory and so when he hears paradise garden of eden what origin wants to see eden as is an allegory for your soul so god walks in the cool of the day in eden with adam and eve yep and origin wants to say that's actually an image of your soul is that god desires to walk in you and your soul to find his home there but what he wants to do to dwell in you and the bible is another topic sometime the Bible really shows us that God cannot dwell where sin resides. And so what origin gets at, right, is like, I love that image of like, don't just get rid of something, plant something beautiful. So God doesn't just get rid of anger, but he plants gentleness, right? Like, and chastity is more than just a lack of lust. Not having lust for, for people is not the same thing as chastity. Chastity is a positive virtue where we love people as they deserve to be loved and where our sexuality is ordered towards a human person and their goodness. That's chastity. Chastity is not just, I don't have lust. That's not chastity. That's, that's called a um, androgynous kind of person who like doesn't have sexual desires that that's not Christianity. Christianity is not a lack of desire. It's an ordered desire. Gosh, talk about other top. I think, you had mentioned this. I'm I'm dying to talk about this one. Is not fearing purgatory, and I feel like this all relates to it. When it you does. you kind of crush me, where I have this concept of purgatory, and I'm you're living life and your daily sins and these temptations and kind of exactly what you're saying though of like oh, I just never want to have lust the rest of my life. Like, and if I do, now all of a sudden you know my Dante's Hill is way bigger than I'm gonna have to climb to finally make it to heaven in this concept yeah. of purgatory and. And you had said something of like, no, that's that's not the concept of purgatory. Yeah, it is all of a sudden now you're you're achieving this life where you don't have those. You are ordered in that. It kind of it blew my mind. And also being able to talk about, I think it'd be fascinating to hear your perspective on how to 
kind of conceptualize these sins and temptations and exactly what you're saying though of like finding that order in your life because otherwise again just like new year's resolutions you're beating yourself up daily on these things because you're trying to just say no 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 all the time mm-hmm. when they're natural and how to actually start to find order in your life to to then see something so much more beautiful that you don't give in to those temptations. Yeah. Happiness is happiness isn't about what you have, it's about who you are. Oh. And that's it's that's a nice one liner, but it's so <laughs> true. Like Augustine says, uh he has this great line where he says, um it's it's in the city of God. He says people are more pained if their villa is poor than if their life is bad. As if it were man's greatest good to possess everything good except himself. And that, that last line's the key, right? Hear that again. He says, as if it were man's greatest good to possess everything good except himself. So what he means by that, right, is like if I have if I have an eight million dollar house yep. and I've got the nicest clothes and I've got all my you know, cosmetic products to keep me looking young and whatever else you have everything, but you're not good. Yep. You're not someone who is filled with peace and justice and fortitude and temperance and, and, and goodness, then you will never be happy. And so, so the good that you and I are supposed to pursue is not a good body. Again, nothing wrong with that. I'm pursuing that. Um, hashtag slow but inevitable slide. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I want to stay fit. I think that's that is a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah. But there's there's greater goods. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Oh, there's so much that maybe maybe one last line. I'll throw it back to you. But the um. I used to think that virtue virtue just means excellence in Greek. It just means it's basically just means goodness. Um, arete is the Greek word for for virtue. But um, Christians oftentimes think that something is virtuous if it's just because it's difficult. And that's not true. Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas are very clear that, that what, virtue, what makes a virtue a virtue is not if it's difficult. What makes something a virtue is if it's good. Now, sometimes they are difficult. Right. It can be really difficult to be chaste. Totally. It can be really difficult to be temperate in how you eat. And eating well, that can be difficult, but that's, but it's not a virtue because it's difficult. It's a virtue because it's good. Oh, it's powerful. Oh, so good. I mean, I guess moral of the story, let's not live for the one day a year to find the resolution and instead trying to figure out daily and kind of reflecting on yourself of, are you being virtuous? Good all those kind of things that yeah. that really has the meaning of the Christian life and trying to, whether it's you're at the basic level of like where I'm at, trying to figure out what exactly does that mean, but, and trying to pursue that to then also reaching that level of, okay, now trying to find that true order in your life. Cause I think that's that what you just said of, you can have the $8 million house, you can have all the things going for you, but if you're not truly happy and you see it all the time, right? That's where it's something's out of order there. Yeah, and a great <clears throat> imparting here today. Great exercise I would recommend for all of you. And it's something that happens pretty much every time I go on a sunlight retreat, which I have to go at least once a year. 
Um, a great thing to think about is think about a hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. And that this helps me every time. And I'm, I'm, I've been practicing silence for 20 years in prayer life. So I, you might not be there yet. That's okay. Maybe you are there. But that sounds miserable. A silent, silent retreat. But oh, yes, it's go so ahead, wonderful. Please. It's like it's like a flame in you, man. It is oh. so it is so amazing. But what I a lot of times what I think about is what think about a hundred years from now, and in a hundred years, all the things that I am stressed about day by day, uh-huh. none of them will have mattered. That's right. You know, you've got you've got the Lord's Gala coming up, and it's a great work. It's an important thing. But in a hundred years, the only thing that will matter is if you are with God or not. Mm-hmm. And we all know this, and especially if, if, if the more you age, the faster life goes. And it sounds kind of like depressing, but whenever I do this, I feel such peace because I, I sit there and I say, in a hundred years, it won't matter if my homily was bad or not. Um, what will matter in a hundred years is if I loved God. Totally. And did I live a life that cultivated, going back to Augustine's garden, did I cultivate the love of God in my life? And when I think about that, I think, you know, in a hundred years from now, it won't matter if I built the most successful this or that or the other thing. Um, what will matter is if I will live forever with God. Mm-hmm. And, that gives me a framework to then think about resolutions, yep. conversion. It gives me the courage to say, I've got to say no to more things in my life because I want the yes of union with him. Oh, mic drop. Creates the path to where do you want to go in life. Yeah. So, oh. all right, folks, I think we're about out of time. Um, thanks for checking in with us. We're grateful for you. Uh, we will see you in the new year. I think when this comes out, quick shout out. I think it should be your dad's birthday. Your dad's birthday is the 7th? 6th. 6th. Yeah, so it'll be right around then. Happy birthday. Ed Larkin turning 70. Ed Love Larkin you, Dad. for the win. Ed Larkin, huge buff fan. Gosh. Hopefully soon to be Catholic. We love you. That's right. Yeah. Wish I wish we could be saying, you know, we had a great buff win, but that didn't happen. So sorry about that, Ed. But uh, hopefully this replaces it. And happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. And again, thank you, everyone, for all the uh, emails. We're still getting so many. And um, we'll be touching a lot of the questions and comments of uh, requests that people want to talk about. But seriously, thank you guys for all the feedback we've gotten. And uh, yeah, happy uh Happy New Year. Happy 2021. That's right.